Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before, and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign. This is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, a woman who has been near and dear to my heart since portraying intrepid news reporter Pamela Finkelstein in the Weird Al vehicle, UHF, beloved the world over for her titular role in the Emmy award-winning series, The Nanny, here today, just in time for Earth Day, to talk about the educational video about cancer prevention, Be the Change. Hello, and welcome, Fran Drescher. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. Such a pleasure to to talk to you. Wow, I appreciate that. Thank you. So, um... I, I will warn you at the end. I'm going to bug you a little bit about UHF, but that's not okay, that's, that's not cool. that's not the major reason I why you were here. I swear I didn't remember that was my character's name. Really? I know. Oh, it's really? So you don't funny. get people coming up to you on a daily basis saying, <laughs> "Goodness, that's that's Pamela." Actually, probably Finkelstein. Spinal Tap gets more of you know to each their own. I know. Truly, I, we all have our opinion about the greatest comedy of all time. I guess, <laughs> and it's very interesting who brings up what movies too. Very telling. It's. it's <laughs> It's ridiculous. I, I saw the I saw the preview, and me and my friend Mike Ortiz were like, "We're going to be there." And I mean, I made the list of uh, it, it's it's absurd how many movies we had to choose to not see, including an Indiana Jones movie, a Ghostbusters movie, a Lethal Weapon movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Wow! All because Weird Al's head did a one eighty in, in a leather jacket, and he ran away from a rolling, <laughs> a rolling rock. So you are um, you're here for more altruistic purposes. You are a cancer survivor. Yes, I'm a cancer survivor, and. Um, I'm going to be 19 years well. That's great. And I start. I I first wrote what became the New York Times bestseller, Cancer Schmancer, and that morphed into a movement, the Cancer Schmancer movement. Mm-hmm. Everybody could go to cancerschmancer.org and find out what we're all about. We're kind of a a radical company that uh, really tries to put the power back into the people, transform patients into medical consumers, and to realize that a lot of the dis-ease that we're experiencing on a daily basis is uh, because of our lifestyle and the fact that we have you know, mindless consumerism, buying things that manufacturers are making that may not really be in our best interest or in the best interest of the planet. And by simply becoming more mindful about those toxins, those carcinogens, the things that we're buying on a daily basis and using in our home, on our skin, what we're eating, all of our personal care items, what we clean and garden with is actually hurting us for the most part. And if we choose wisely, we can reduce our risk, our family's risk, our pet, and the planet. So kids today... Um, Don't get me started on kids today. <laughs> <laughs> They're the first generation predicted to not live as long as their parents in U.S. history. So right. that's pretty sad. Well, that's the bit that – because I've always been a skeptic to the skeptics because I, I share your concerns about big pharma and chemicals. And I don't think any big corporation cares a whit about the likes of, of URI. But I would say – 
but people are living longer and longer. So how much can you criticize what the powers that be They're are letting us put in our body? They're chronically ill. They're mm-hmm. not living longer healthfully. And your and your documentary makes and the I point that I think that, that yeah. we are being you know dumbed down. Mm-hmm with all due respect, and brainwashed into thinking that living chronologically longer years while being uh, addicted to, you know, um, medicine because we have chronic illness as we get older is not really the way to live. The way to live is to die young at a ripe old age. And, uh, you know, that's what we need to aspire towards. And when you look at other, you know, cultures and people that are are more connected to the natural world and eat and live more naturally, more organically, they're going to age more healthfully. Mm. Uh, I think that uh, even the idea that uh, we're living longer when all these like famous people recently kind of in the past couple of years died in their 50s and and 60s um is really negated neg- negated by the fact that there are actually less um birth deaths and that's what makes the average seem bigger that's right. If you look at our founding fathers, most of them lived to a ripe old age. Right. Uh, it's it's uh, really that there were much more infant deaths then. Yeah, that will screw up the curve. Exactly. So, what, you know, I'm glad you brought that point up because it's very easy to kind of s- squash and not really based off of anything realistic. There's no downside at all to living a more pristine life. Right. And you know what? What you buy and what you don't buy is actually your vote and your protest. Manufacturers don't want to kill us at the end of the day. They just want to sell us. But they'll sell us anything that we're willing to buy, which right now is anything. And my job is to inform people, educate empower and activate them so that they can become more um, of a driving force and actually influence manufacturing trends. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously you want to live a long, healthy life, but don't be a sucker. Don't make rich people even richer because they're playing, uh, you know, they're they're giving you a bunch of lies that are pretty easily uh, uh, poked through. I saw you know something- what? They're getting richer while yeah. our health is, and the planet's health is getting poorer. And that's got to stop because we are the largest consumers on the planet. Yeah. We actually can change this paradigm. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter how much legislation there is, because if everyone stopped drinking cola today, they'd stop making it tomorrow that fast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I saw something just a a day or two ago that I found it was just so obvious and nobody had said it to me before. I'd never thought of it before about how much junk food is marketed to boys of a certain age, say 10 into their teens, because 
it, it, they sell it as a rebellious thing. You don't want boring old potato chips. That's what your dad eats. You want, you know, three flavor Doritos. Yeah, I'm you glad need you, you need a mountain you up. need a Mountain Dew to be a to be a badass. Uh, there was a, I was watching a major sporting event, and there was a young celebrity girl that was talking about you know you can have your you know healthy whatever, but. I'm going to drink this no-calorie, you know, cola because I can. Mm. And they're totally plugging into the fact that uh, young people feel impotent because they don't have a lot of say in their own lives. Right. And so even though it's not really in their best interest, they're kind of plugging into that and that's exactly the kind of stuff that we are trying to dismiss with this video with me and Jamie Foxx and Mm -hmm. Jeff Bridges and a bunch of kids and uh, a a lot of animation and it's super viewer friendly it's called Be the Change because we don't want to make this prediction that kids will not live as long as their parents a self-fulfilling prophecy right now babies are being born pre-polluted with two to three hundred toxic chemicals found in the umbilical cord and the level of emfs that now what are those electromagnetic field oh and that's from all this electronic equipment and wi-fi and microwave ovens that is discombobulating our natural energy field which by the way people is in perfect harmony with the natural world and in absolute disharmony with all of this electromagnetic field. So don't do 5G, by the way, because that's only going to dig you an earlier grave. I feel like science, the scientific community is skeptical about what you're saying. What do you say to that? I say err on the side of caution because there's plenty of science that mm-hmm. shows that, I mean, they just, they, there's peer-reviewed paper after paper about... Um, uh, cell towers that have been taken off near schools because kids were getting all kinds of weird diseases and, uh, you know, all these kinds of learning differences that we're getting very used to accepting. And I mean, where, where does everybody think all this is, is coming from? Uh, sleep disorders, uh, you know, thought processes that are interrupted. Err on the side of caution. We have been dumbed down to the point where we feel like unless there's research to disprove it, it must be okay. But who in this capitalist-driven society is actually going to underwrite the research that may cut into somebody's profit margin? You tell me. Nobody. Right. And so much of the scientific research that the government used to fund, which in theory would be impartial, has been outsourced to the to the, the money making sector. And you kind of know and where that's going to They don't have be. the money to do what needs to be done. The amount of chemicals that are exposed to us on a daily basis, the FDA has no idea whether they're uh, carcinogenic. I mean, 80,000 chemicals we have accessible to us when we just, you know, go to the supermarket and uh, and they have no idea how those mix together or whether some are potentially carcinogenic or carcinogenic. You know, it's like, why can't we just dial it back and stop making chemical companies rich? 
And I think that that's the the point where I'm where I'm really on board with what you're saying is we all need a a more holistic approach to the way that we're living. That's the thing. If it turns out that there's nothing wrong with cell phone towers, I still don't really, I'm not excited. I have a seven-year-old kid. I'm not excited about him having a cell phone and becoming one of those kids who's looking at a cell phone all the time. There's really not a whole lot of upside to to put off whatever the, the downside may or may not be. There's not a whole lot of upside nutritionally to eating Doritos, even if it turns out that they're not literally, you know, cancer chips. Well, you know, odds are they're made with GMO yes. corn. For sure. And uh, anything that also has, uh, you know, sugar in it, odds are, is corn syrup sweetener. Mm -hmm. More and more kids today are becoming uh, pre-diabetic. They're insulin resistant. And uh, they're eating processed meats that are increasing the risk of pancreatic cancer by 20%. They're increasing their risk of obesities. You know, there are chemicals that are that actually kind of induce obesity besides the fact that this corn syrup sweetener is so bad for you. Yeah. It, it, it's just, you know, w- why not keep it real, keep it simple, and keep manufacturers honest? What's the downside to that? There is none. No. So just do it. You wield the power. Dictate what we what we should be exposing ourselves to. Yeah. The only thing that's working against what you're saying in our society, which is what you're saying is completely common sense, is the fact that advertising does work in a, to, to an extent. Propaganda does work. And if you keep on getting bombarded with lies, eventually you start to weigh the lie against what you know to be the truth. And the video makes a very good point that uh, I've never seen this number before. Each and every single one of us sees 3,000 ads per day. Do you hear the Russian, uh, there's some Russian company that's going to be showing ads in space? I mean, literally. And people will go, oh, that's those crazy Russians. And we'll we'll move on as if that wasn't, um, that's one of my weird uh, sawhorses is the, the, the dark night sky Thing and how it's actually very, very important to human beings to sleep. Totally. In the, I was really in the pissed dark. off when, you know, the Tesla was shot out into space. What are you doing? You Now you got to litter outer space mm-hmm. because of your ego? For what reason? Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like, they let the golf really balls on the moon. Off. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it just, it's like gross, really. Right. Uh, the, you know, and it, and uh, the bottom line is the bottom line. The only way these people are, you know, many of whom are sociopaths, they don't even realize that they're doing something that's really egregious, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is to hit them where they live, yeah. which is their wallets. Right. The 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 three thousand ads per day. What do you think that? What do you think? Uh, what effect does that have on on people? You know, I I, I think it's horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as you say, it's totally brainwashing. Yeah, and you know that was something that started in the early twentieth century. Actually, Sigmund Freud's nephew was hired to buy uh, the big industrialists of the day to teach them how to promote their product so it plugs into the deep insecurities of the human psyche. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, where prior to that, we were not a throwaway society, we didn't overbuy or overspend, now suddenly the woman would, you know, be told that 
if she spends her last dollar on this dress that she doesn't need, yeah. her husband will find her more attractive and, you know, she will feel better about herself. If you buy this car, Mr. Jones, you will be the envy of your neighbors. You will feel better about yourself. This type of psychology is used to this day to manipulate people. And yes, it's going to take a lot of self-restraint to not only be mindful that it's being done to you and at you, but to have the strength and willpower to resist it. And that's my job. Mm-hmm. That's what we do at Cancer Schmansa to underscore it, to take it apart, to show you that you have the power to shift this unhealthy paradigm that's totally greed-driven. All the woes of the world is driven by greed and mindless consumerism, which enables it. I feel like you're a very good spokesperson for this cause because on the face of it, you're making a video that's talking to kids who aren't worried about mortality, who is when they're young, about you know trying to encourage them to become concerned about their mortality and about cancer. That could be a tough pill to swallow. I feel like you have – I'm from the East Coast. You remind me of a couple of my aunts. <laughs> you're the kind of person I want to hear scary stuff from. Well, let me just say this. You know, kids don't vote – And they don't pay taxes. Mm -hmm. So they don't wield a lot of influence on our elected officials. But they are a multi-billion dollar demographic. And in that regard, they wield a great deal of power. So, you know, if any kids are listening, if you feel powerless, if you feel helpless, you're not. You can actually be the change. You didn't make this problem, but it can be your victory. And you can turn this around. You can be the generation that saves the day and teaches your parents too. Uh, and the video that we've been talking about is uh, available at cancerschmancer.org slash B hyphen change. I know you're promoting it everywhere. I'll, I'll, I'll do the same. Um, I only have a couple minutes left with you. I want to ask you real quick. It kind of ties into the conversation we're having. You are in a new TV show, a pilot for a new TV show called Uninsured. Yes. Yeah. I just want to say, though, that yeah, that please. might have been, you know, first of all, it's on Earth Day. Yes. That uh, it's coming out. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I hope that on Earth Day, which is this coming, which is m- Monday, yes. April 22nd, that everybody goes to uh, that link that you mentioned mm-hmm. um, or just cancerschmancer.org and you'll find it there. It's so easy. And then spread, spread the word, pass it forward. Everybody should see this video. It's fun. It's funny. It's visually engaging. It's got Jamie it's got, Jamie is so great in it. Uh-huh. I bless him. I love him. And, uh, you know, you can even, after you watch it for free, it's totally free and available worldwide. You can download it for your video library for further reference uh, for a very nominal fee. So I really hope that on April 22nd, this Monday, Earth Day, go check out Be the Change. Yeah, absolutely. Positively. Uh, yeah, the, the show, I'm, I'm just curious to, uh, to see it. I'm anxious to see it. Adam Pally is, is terrific. Yes, he plays my son mm-hmm. and he's awesome. We have a great time. Um, uh, somebody on uh, the, on the variety message board. You should never read message boards. I don't know what I was doing, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like uh, I, I I can't say no to uh, a good pun. There's a guy named Jay on Variety.com who wants you to reboot uh, the nanny as the granny. 
Ah, I tell you, that's so funny that he said that because I once mistakenly wrote the granny and uh-huh. I was absolutely mortified. <laughs> ah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we're doing, Peter and I, um, you know, are doing something that's going to be very exciting for the Nanny fans. Yeah. And I can't talk about it right now, but I think it's going to be a great uh, thing. And um, and that would, and I actually have thought about that as a another version of it. But I also think that if a reboot was ever done of that, it might be fun to write the series again, bring it into the moment, and get a new nanny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know... You've got options. That. Yeah. And uh, finally, yeah, uh, 30 years ago, did you ever think anybody would still be asking you about UHF? Uh, of course. You did know, you, did I, you think you were making a, a good movie when you were making it? Uh, a fun movie and uh-huh. there's great people in it yes. and you know so yeah sure I mean Hollywood Nights was the same kind of a thing because people just totally get into that and and quote lines from that movie mm-hmm. and stuff and um, you know that also had a, a, a great soundtrack but yeah you know I, I appreciate that you're so enthusiastic about it and <laughs> I appreciate uh, you, you know Weird I appreciate Al is a me. really great guy <laughs> and uh, it's just incredible to me that uh, you know it it it's been so long ago that I did it. Mm-hmm. And oh, you know, right. Jeremy Piffin was in that movie too. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> I've seen it a couple times. And now I've seen it a couple times with my, with my son. Where's Jeremy, Jeremy Piven in there? I, I, you know, I can't even tell you yeah. what he played, but he was yeah. definitely in it. Maybe he's a contestant on Wheel of Fish or something. And <laughs> no, I don't know. I think he had a pretty uh, decent part in it. I can't really remember now. I'm going to have to rewatch it. And, uh, of course, you know, the actor from uh, Seinfeld... It was when when Seinfeld happened. Everybody was like, "This guy's amazing." I'm like, "Well, you didn't see UHF. He oh, kind of was doing that a couple I years know, ago." I know. Um, I know. I have to let you go. It really has been such a pleasure getting to meet you. And uh, you're at Fran Drescher. The website is cancerschmancer.org. The video is out for Earth Day, and you're tweeting the link. I'm tweeting the link. People have no trouble finding the Be the Change. And Cancer Schmancer is also all over, you know, social media as is official Fran Drescher and at Fran Drescher so please find us on Monday and check it out because it's free it's fun and it's really informative that's great thanks so much that's Fran Drescher more to come on The Tully Show with comedian Chad Daniels after this thank you we are back on The Tully Show thanks again to Fran Drescher for coming by joining me now a comedian boasting the better part of a billion streams online his new special dad Chaniels, executive produced by tom segura available now on amazon hello and welcome funny man chad daniels well, thanks for having me sure i'm gonna go to my grave insisting on calling every single comedian funny man <laughs> i get that a lot from guys i went to high school with when i see them hey funny man hey funny guy yeah. if it isn't mr jokes that's got to feel pretty good, because well, I'm assuming they have um, jobs. Yeah, I know they're just trying to bust my chops. I understand that. But then, you know, sometimes I'll send them you know, pictures of vacation or when I'm working in Hawaii or whatever it is. Uh-huh. Like, hey, look at Mr. Jokes on the beach. Um, 
were you going to be that guy like when you were in high school? Would you have been the person people would have assumed would be the comedian? I think so. Well, my friends actually ended up, they signed me up for open mic the first time. Uh, that seems to be the story a lot of times. It's very similar to um, people have the story about losing their virginity because their friends throw them in like a, a brothel in a red light district. I never heard that story. Oh, really? Uh-uh. Oh, man. I'm, I know some creeps. I, apparently. <laughs> I grew up in northern Minnesota. You lose your virginity on like a prom night, you know, to the lady who works at Dairy Queen. Not lady, you know. No, 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 no. no. Same, same age girl. <laughs> Not like the manager at Dairy Queen. We're like, hey. It's right. prom, remember? It's a- All right, well, it's part of my job description that every boy, when he comes of, of age, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get your, uh, your your dilly bars, and then you get a piece of the manager. That's right. It's a secret code. You have to order a peanut butter parfait, <laughs> and she brings you in the back. Is that what that was? Because yeah. there was so much shit on the menu nobody ever ordered. <laughs> I guess it all makes sense now. Uh, I'm from suburban New Jersey. I imagine it's quite a bit like uh, like where you grew up. <laughs> yeah, in that, in that, if, if Dairy Queen is a go-to reference, then I think you're in my childhood have something in common. Yeah, probably. I mean, Dairy Queen was one of the only places to go where I grew up. It was a hot spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my town was able to support uh, an ice cream parlor within three doors of a Dairy Queen. Such was the demand. Interesting for frozen dairy products. That sounds on a hot, very on a hot midwestern. Night. It kind of is. Yeah. I kind of grew up in a small midwestern town about ten minutes outside of New York City. <laughs> It's because it's a the town I grew up in is a is a dry town. They can't Gross. sell yeah they can't okay. sell like it's bizarre. well it's, it's kind of genius in a way because every town that surrounds is and it's a very small town is not a dry town so okay. we just sort of outsource our alcoholism to the other side of the tracks. Oh, and then you clean it up when you come back in. So the kids grow up not knowing that their dads get into bar fights and cheat on their wives and stuff because they're doing that and. East Rutherford. Wow, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that is smart. Why not hide it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Presbyterians had a good idea or two there. <laughs> I know a family, so I grew up with this family that their grandmother had never drank because she was very religious. Yeah. And so in order for them to drink, and these are now, these are grown people. They're in their 60s. And they are, um, they are holding coffee cups with wine in it. And not only that, but they're blowing on the wine. Like to cool off the coffee to try to trick the grandma. Uh huh. It is. Why was it not an option for them to drink elsewhere? I guess they could, but when the grandma was around and oh. they wanted to have wine, that's what they would do. Oh, and so I then I kind of was like, "We can't do this." I mean, you're teaching your children how to hide alcohol, mm-hmm. so let's maybe just let your grandma know that you drink wine. Yeah, yeah. Once again, I can kind of relate to that. Keeping up appearances could be more important than actually raising uh, well-adjusted children. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew I wanted to have you on this show immediately because, you know, we get sent out, here's so-and-so, they're coming through, and then I open your special, and I just pull the cursor, and I go to somewhere in the middle, and I immediately see and hear you saying that you had a long-standing bit that when your son turned 18, you're going to punch him in the face. That's true. Here's the thing. I've been doing stand-up for about three years, and for okay. about two of those, I've been doing a bit about how I'm looking forward to punching my son in the nuts. Yeah. How old is he? Uh, seven. Okay. So I still have a long way to go. And you're waiting till 18. I want to wait until he'll understand. Okay. Like- I mean- I'm 44, and I don't think I'd understand if someone punched me in the nuts right now. My premise is that I have just taken unanswered blow after unanswered blow to the scrotum 
okay. some intentional, some unintentional, sure. and the tools that we have with which to discipline nowadays are inadequate to deal with such an offense. Yeah. So if I were to do it to him one time when he were legally of age to be punched in the nuts by his father. Right. That's what you got to do. You have to wait to 18. And that yeah. was that was my thought is on the 18th birthday, it's no longer a felony. It's a misdemeanor. <laughs> right, and I'm right. willing to do that much time. Put it on the list. Absolutely. Have you been arrested? Have you have you, uh, have have you been criminal arrested. past? What did yeah. you get picked up? I got I got arrested in your state. What'd you do? Uh oh boy, it's a long story. Uh oh. I mean the offense? You me three somebody? That's like a real aggressive me too. <laughs> no. Me three somebody? <laughs> no, 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 no. Nobody wanted anything to do with me in those days. Okay, I'll try to give you the long short version. Oh, my God. Driving cross-country, thought we had enough weed to last us to the West Coast and back, made it as far as Detroit, got mugged twice in one day to score about $10 worth of weed. Suffice it to say, we spent several hundred dollars on that $10 worth of weed. Later on, the next day, we're driving in the freeway on the freeway in Minnesota. I did not have my driver's license, despite the fact that we were driving across the country. Huh. So the way that I pitched in, uh, Chad, was to steer from the passenger seat. Sure. But I'd been doing a bit of drinking. And the thing is, uh, eventually I would have gotten the hang of it, but I had just pulled onto the freeway. I don't know if you say that I pulled onto the freeway or the guy who was operating <laughs> the pedals pulled onto the freeway in this scenario. And uh, the crack Minnesota uh, police did notice that something was awry and pulled us over and brought in dogs and Uh-oh. searched the car. Sure. And there was some of my personal items in. We brought a briefcase and thought that we could actually get away with, oh, we just accidentally brought my dad's briefcase. I don't know what's in there. <laughs> that didn't fly. And so uh, I was the guy who took the fall for the weed. They only oh, found wow. one of the um, two bags, though. So we had that going for That's us. Nice. We found like three bucks worth of weed at uh, Badlands National Park. So kind of a good dog. Kind of a good canine dog. It did the job. Okay. I mean, they were just going to take me, you know, they were just looking to take me down. That makes sense. I have a friend, his name's John DeBoer, and he actually, I saw him do stand-up comedy in St. Paul when I was in college. And watching him really inspired me to, like, I, I loved comedy always. But watching him, I was just fascinated. And he has a story about how, same thing, two guys wasted to drive to wait too drunk to drive home so one of them operated the pedals one of them steered Mm -hmm. and they ended up going into the airport and they were just going to drive around in circles till they sobered up because they didn't think there were cops in the airport (laughs) and they got pulled over and the cop came over and he goes uh he goes you know why i pulled you over and he goes uh was i swerving and the guy the doc uh, the cop goes no you were speeding and he goes all right well you gotta talk to him because he was (laughs) he was out it was just like (laughs) such a funny story i think Um, so you have the special and it is, uh, you're leaning into the dead comic thing, obviously. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the, so whatever it is, whatever's going on in, in society, I still have to. So me too. Right. Yeah. I have a 15 year old daughter Mm -hmm. at the time of the special. She was 13, uh, maybe 14. It was my job to tell her about all of that stuff and kind of let's, let's walk through this, you know? So uh, that's all I have going on. A lot of comedians are like, oh, comedians talk about air travel too much. Well, that's what we do. Right? Yeah. We're not out doing other things. We have to travel from gig to gig. So Yeah, who else me, is going to reprimand Delta on Twitter? Right. Yeah, so it's my uh, my entire existence when I'm not on the road is is home. Mm-hmm. With uh, At the time, with two kids. My son now is uh, off at college. But, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that's it. I mean, I would love to... 
There's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in the special that isn't about parenting, right? But it's an important part of my life, so there is a lot of stuff about it. Well, and it becomes the prism that you see stuff through. Yeah. You know, sure. it's it's you're supposed to in comedy have um, a viewpoint, and and yeah, at a certain point, it, it does become. I know I've had that experience where uh, friends of mine have seen me do stand up, and they've known me for a long time, and maybe don't aren't as current with me used to hang out more a long time ago sure. and like, wow a lot of like dad stuff and it's like well come to my house you'll notice there's quite exactly. a bit of dad yeah. stuff going on and so right so you end up talking about all kinds of shit going on in the world but that is your viewpoint that is exactly. the prism through which you exactly. uh, yep. you see stuff so I'm kind of in the same boat as you I have a boy who is six years older-ish than the daughter your kids are Four-ish? Yeah, four or five. Okay. All right. So break it down for me. What are the differences between what I have to look forward to in raising a boy versus a girl? Well, I think, and this is unfortunate, and I do talk about this in the special, that society has dealt us a lot of double standards Mm -hmm. when it comes to boys and girls. So when a girl goes to a party, you have to tell them a lot of things. I mean, you don't have to, but as a dad, you want to protect them. So you're like... Keep your water bottle close to you. Keep the cap on it. Oh, fuck, yeah, Like right. all of this stuff, you know, that, that I, I can't stand that. I would love to just have access to everyone's son, right? And just one meeting before the party and just be like, fucking knock it off. Whatever you're thinking, stop. Um, but I don't. So I have to tell my daughter all those things. And then my son, he's older, but when he would go to parties, I would tell him, drive safe, don't rape. That's what I would tell him. And that is every single thing I'd want him to know. I'd want him to get there safely. And then when he does, to be extremely respectful. So, right. So that's, it. it is, it's unfortunate we have to do those things, but we do. Yeah. It's, it's shitty too, because I, I feel like the, the world has changed and what is acceptable has changed. And I'd like to think that I'm like a, a decent guy, but I don't know that I was always the coolest guy to girls and it's, it's kind of shitty that you're almost like, okay, watch out if a guy does this because I'm very familiar with that sure. method of guilt or, or, or whatever, manipulation, manipulation yeah. and shit like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I mean, do you find yourself in that situation where you almost have to warn her about guys like you? Uh, to an extent, I'd obviously. I like to think I was fairly yeah. respectful. Right. But I do know the tricks. Mm-hmm. I've seen it all. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen the, uh, you know, this move where it's like, you're out at the bar like, oh, well, you know, women, once they turn 25, they start going down. the. So now you get these girls that b- believe it and they're like, well, I'm going to be 25 soon. I should right. probably have sex with this person. You know, I mean, I've seen that work. <laughs> yeah. I have seen that work. And you're just l- sitting there shaking your head like, the fuck are you doing? Right. Right. Yeah. And you also know the guy who hit on literally every single girl in the room. Absolutely. It is. He's using buckshot. Right. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, I was never even friendly enough with that guy to even get the ins and outs of that technique, but I'm willing to understand, you know, I can understand how it would be effective if you talk to every single woman in the room. Sure. Yeah. Well, your odds increase. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you take actual attraction or connection out of it, yeah, yeah the numbers the numbers do, uh, do t- turn in your favor. I grew up with such handsome friends oh. where when... A lot of times we would be sitting at a table and then a party of girls would just come up. And then I knew it's like, all right, it's my, then I would try to be funny and charming or whatever. And then, uh, you know, it would really work out in their, in their favor. 
Because the girls would be like, hey, we had a lot of fun at this table. This guy's very handsome. Let's make out with him. Oh, right. Wow, that's, then, I was just, that was really entertaining then talking I'd be, to this table. Then I'd be I'm like, going to go make out with this handsome, boring guy. Catch you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and where does it go wrong with kids? I, I came here this morning. I'm frazzled. I, I dropped my kid off at school and uh, went to a book fair. And then I got rear-ended on my way up here. Oh, man. Um, so I, I just, and yeah, it's been a, it's been a long morning already and it's like 10 o'clock, but where does it go wrong with children? Because I was just hanging out with a seven year old and it meant everything to him for me to be at the book fair and to, for him to help him figure out how many dollars he had and what books he could get. And I sure. got a big hug when I got there and a big hug when he left and he's already seven and a half. This can't go on forever. When does he turn on me? You know, I don't know. I think it depends. I mean, kids are sweet. For my daughter's 15, and anytime I say I have a 15-year-old daughter, people are like, uh, how's that going? Right. It's going great. She's a sweet kid. You know, I mean, I've seen real bitchiness from some of her friends. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, um, and I, you know, she comes home and, and, and she'll have a chip on her shoulder from something that happened at school. And she's like, oh, God, this girl is such a jerk. That's going to happen. But I think ultimately they're fairly sweet forever. I don't know if they turn. I mean, my kids didn't really ever turn on me. Oh, that's good. So uh, I don't know how to answer that one. And I don't think it really goes wrong. I don't even know if it goes right. I think it just kind of goes. Okay. Okay. And you've uh, you've had to deal with the period thing? Yep. How's that for you? It didn't bother me. I mean, everyone... So I bring it up on stage. You know, my daughter had her first period at my house. And mm-hmm. women will go, no. Like I locked her in the basement or something. Wait, no, because poor girl or poor you? Or poor I th- everybody. I think poor girl. Oh. It seems like, so then I'll ask them, like, so what What was wrong with your dad? Like, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Because when, when, in my opinion, when someone, when someone hears a parenting strategy and they go, oh my God, it's because something really went wrong with whoever was raising them. Yeah. And so I ask, I go, you know, what did your dad do? And like, well, he just wouldn't talk about it. And he was, you know, such a jerk. And it was like, talk to your mother. And I just... I never understood that. My kids and I are very open and very honest about everything, so mm-hmm. it was pretty easy day. Yeah, it's weird how weird people used to be about shit. Well, it's so it's like blood's coming out of the body where it's stored. Right. I mean, just to think of that kind right. of Oh my god, she's just like every other woman I've ever known. Oh, Jesus. Right on schedule. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um you mentioned uh, how your kids are making fun of you for uh, aging. I think you look great. You're 44. Well, that's nice of you to say. You look absolutely terrific. But that's, then again, the nicest person. And we can do this because it's on radio. You, no you, one can fact check it. I don't think you look like old uh, avocados. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned the aging like a president thing, and uh, I, I, you know, it's so funny. It made me think about that phenomenon and how we're kind of getting cheated out of that one with Donald Trump. It's always been sort of a rite of passage that, I mean, Obama was, I think, like 31 years old when he was elected president. (laughs) He sure looked like it. And, I mean, he looked like, uh, uh, you don't know who David Dinkins is. He aged 25 years and four years, and Mm -hmm. he was definitely one of our, and he was still playing basketball on on the side. Donald Trump, we're not going to get to see that. God knows what's happening before the Darth Vader mask goes on every morning, (laughs) but it, it really is a shame that we get cheated out of that. I always wondered about that phenomenon because presidents age very very rapidly i was that presidents and porn stars seem to, to age sure. at about the same rate well i think with presidents it's the time of their life is that time 
Yeah. Right. You, no one really gets elected terribly young. No. And then, um, you know, the old, the oldest, I mean, then they've already, they've already done the aging. Right. right. So if you look at like uh, Clinton mm-hmm. and, and Bush yeah. and, uh, and Obama, uh, they were right in that kind of speed slot where they were going to age no matter what. But then you add the stress yeah. of presidency. I mean, mm-hmm. four years ago, if you go on Amazon and you watch a documentary with Tom Segura and Pete Lee and myself when we went to Asia, it's called I Need You to Kill. You go on there, it's free on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Watch that. Four years later, which is a presidential term, I recorded Dad Channels, which is my new special on Amazon Prime. Yes. You could watch those two things and you won't know it's the same person. No. I ate, I'm telling you, this is real. So um, I got divorced, I got a brand new hip, and my kids were teenagers during those four years. Hip? Yeah. So that, I mean, I did. I aged. When he said you aged like a president, I was like, oh, that's a funny one. And then as I was driving away from the school, I was like, he's right. What Four your, years exactly. What happened to your hip? I think I just overused it in my 20s, like running. And uh, we had these nine foot basketball hoops outside on just hard concrete. And uh-huh. we'd go play four hours a day because we could dunk. You could dunk on nine feet? Good for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do wonder about that. Like, we, I've known some stressed out dudes like we've all had like you know uncles or grandfathers or what have you like old tough sons of bitches who just like keeled over and died at the kitchen table eating meatballs because they just swallowed stress for 30 or 40 years yeah i mean there's got to be a cap on exactly how much stress a human being can endure because we see people who you know uh go into the past the red line and, and die from it right what the fuck do presidents do or see over the course of four years because that's not a natural aging process oh i don't know but they know everything i think they is it just that they find out about aliens it could be they find out about every single thing i just toured the pentagon last week and i was in dc you don't say i have a friend from high school that works at the pentagon Uh and he brought me in there and i was he goes uh yeah there's two there's two layers below this there's two floors below this and i go i've always heard there's like 30 or like 50 or something and he goes there's two floors you can go to. And I was like, oh, I knew it. Yeah. So I'm sure they go down to those levels. There's probably like a Kennedy assassination level. There's an alien level. Right. And they just walk around and tour and like, oh, my God. You just get down to the bottom where it's just like a, a, a lizard guy at a barca lounger. That's probably. <laughs> there's no chance they're going to tell Trump all of it because he would just tweet it. Uh, yeah, this has been coming up recently because um, Jimmy Carter had a UFO experience. And in his defense, did not say he thought he saw aliens, believed he saw. I think Jimmy Carter was a bit of a Boy Scout, maybe not up to the rigors of being president of the United States. It's like a a man's job. But Jimmy Carter, as the governor of Georgia, witnessed an unidentified flying object and so duly reported it to the authorities like you're supposed to do. But walked that back and said um, and said, no, I don't think it was an alien. I just think it was something something weird. uh, That probably the military put up there. But he, like Trump, vowed if I'm elected. I'll release everything. Sure. And then as soon as he was elected, was like, yeah, there's lots of, you know, military uh, weather balloons, uh, right. you know. So it is it is a little sketchy. I'm sure there's something real fancy going on down there. But. So uh, Tom Segura, executive, produced your special. What is that? Did he get really did he get down there in the editing room with you? Uh, no. So he... Uh, <laughs> I had fired my manager Uh and didn't have kind of anyone working for me at the time. And I had this hour that I knew I was going to record. And Mm -hmm. so I called Tom or friends and I said, hey, man, uh, how about I just put your name on? You know, like Amy Schumer and Bill Burr are doing these specials for Comedy Central. That's right. But they have it's like Amy Schumer presents 
and then the person. She did name. Sam. Sam Morrell. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. And uh, and Mark Normand as well. Okay. And uh, one more. Uh, I can't remember. Okay. But anyways, uh, so I called him and I go, I don't want your name on my the front. But I go, do you just want to be an executive producer? So when I try to sell it, at least I can be like, hey, right. there's firepower behind it. And he was real nice. And he goes, yeah, of course, man. And then I ended up getting a manager and an agent. And uh, and so I didn't really need that anymore. But we had a deal. And so when the production company was like, why is his name on this? He didn't really. And I go, well, because we had a deal and he was willing to do it. So then I called him. And I, it was about two years later. And I go, hey, uh, just you know, reminding you about the executive producer thing. And he goes, oh, what was that again? Like he didn't even remember having the conversation. Right. He was just so nice. He was like, "Yeah, I don't care. Do whatever gotcha. you want to do." So the, he's the puppet master. He's actually pulling the strings on this. What I were you guys so. doing in uh, in Asia? We were just doing a little tour. It was Pete Lee and Tom Segura and myself, and we went over there. the The guy that brought us, he owns Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis. Okay, he grew up over in Hong Kong and just wanted to bring us and have kind of a fun trip. But then they did a documentary on it. So. That's cool. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I noticed on your Twitter, uh, you, you it seems like you're uh, you're a lady on the streets on Facebook and a freak in the sheets on on Twitter. Do you what? have to do you have to balance between being like a, a clean comic kind of guy and having adult opinions? Well, not really. Just like you know, I I see people that I'm friends with on or that follow me on social media. I have to see them at band concerts and choir concerts and stuff like that. So, oh, that bit. Yeah. So I'm just like, listen, if you don't want to hear. My uber honest opinions, mm-hmm. Facebook will have plenty of stuff about what's going on in my life. Is that weird? Has it ever been weird? I wonder about that sometimes because I, I, I feel like parents in my kids' grammar school are just kind of starting to realize that they can hear me talk in a manner sure. which bears very little relation to the way that I talk at book fairs. Yeah. Has that blown up in your face? Has that been a no, thing? I mean, you know, I get some people rolling their eyes at me or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. just like, well, all right. I mean, we, we have different opinions on what makes life great. If you want to work, uh, and I have no problem with this, by the way, because yeah. they're very happy, but if you want to work 51 weeks a year and then go to the same resort in Mexico every single year because yeah. that's comfortable, mm-hmm. great. That makes you happy. That yeah. does not make me happy. Right. So roll your eyes at me if you would like. Yeah. It's okay. But then also, I'm going to say fuck on Twitter. That seems like a fair deal. I think it is. One last thing. When I was um, uh, looking into you, it's always interesting what people's names auto-complete to. Uh-oh. I mean, like, <laughs> mo- money, net worth, or whatever is always one. And I I almost like feel like there's a pointless conspiracy there because I don't know who on earth really is just like, oh, that guy's pretty funny. I wonder how much money he's got. Was mine the only one with a negative sign in front of it? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't click oh, on. Okay. Even if I did, it would tell me that you have like seven million dollars. That's the other thing. Is apparently everybody is searching this, so and funny. everybody is willing to settle for patently bogus answers. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know how they came up with it. It's crazy. And now I'm going to search it. I've search, never searched. I didn't. I didn't click on it, so I don't know. It's that one, and then uh, wife is. Always, 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 like yep. it, it, almost invariably, un- unless you like tried to fillet yourself on the field at the Super Bowl, <laughs> net worth and wife are going to be like one and two, which is also, I guess, a little bit more understandable. But I've never been like, oh, that guy's pretty funny. Wonder how hot his chick is. But <laughs> yeah, so if you click on Chad Daniels' wife, it shows a video of at the Grand March of Senior Prom. Like the one that was your prom? Yeah, I mean it's her and I. We uh-huh. went to prom together. Oh, and it was it was her and I walking on the Grand March where you go up on the thing and like turn so parents can take pictures of. It was so ridiculous. Now she's my ex-wife now. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but there's a reason why it's not just creeps. Prom. Well, yeah. 
Should we see the way we turned? We bumped elbows. It was gross. So That's... we stuck it out as long as we could. But Do you have a nice it, we big never got over it. Carnation stuck in your Probably. ugly big jacket. I can't remember. Yeah, that's great. And it was a big jacket because yeah. it's so funny to look back. Just all these skinny kids wearing oversized coats that don't fit them. It's <laughs> it's it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing I'm definitely noticing about parenting is how many of the things. Like I used to um, be one of these. It just, it's amazing. People have lots of opinions about things that they don't know the first fucking thing about it's one of the most underrated problems in our society nowadays is people will just just parachute into an issue that's going on in the world it's been going on for a while and then they see like a tweet or a news story about it and now they know exactly you know what needs to happen um I find it very funny now when people will get on their soapbox and preach people who are about to have kids about, well, I'm going to have a girl or I'm going to have a boy, but I'm not going to raise them blue or pink because I think it's so shitty that we put that on society. Dude, I just <laughs> came from a book far, a book fair. Like every single boy bought What Happens When a Shark Fights a Whale book <laughs> and every girl right. bought like narwhal the sparkly unicorn like this is just a thing that 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 happens to him go ahead and grab some pink shirts yeah it's not, exa- gonna, it's not gonna kill anybody yeah exactly exactly um i forget there was a second point of that i have had a long morning well you know you're right people do parachute in i yeah and my album footprints on the moon i have a joke or a story about this kid that was being very loud behind me mm-hmm. when i was trying to listen to my son at a christmas choir concert and ends up he had asperger's and so i have a whole bit about it yeah but it's it is um accepting and very positive yeah. about the kid. It was more about the parents and how they handled the situation. So I got slapped twice when I was doing this bit on the road. They'd wait. They'd wait in line. And then what, right when they got to me, slap me, and they go, that's for the Asperger's thing. Yeah. I have a friend who has a sister who's got a... The, yeah. They rescued a dog and their former owner is like that deep. The more degrees of separation right. they are, the more entitled people are to be offended. Exactly. Right. And then the next person in line would yeah. be a parent of a kid with Asperger's and they'd be like, thank you for doing that. You're right. Sometimes we give them too much. And it's just like, oh my God. Yeah, right, 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 right. Oh no, I remember what the point was, which was uh, I used to... I can remember walking past kids watching... Uh, parents watching kids play t-ball or something and watching watching all the excessive cheering and going, right, this is the problem with parents. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets a medal, you know. And then my kid starts playing sports, and finally I realized – they're sarcastically chapping, cheering for these kids. This is sure. fucking hilarious what these children are doing. This is the funniest fucking thing I've ever... My kid this past weekend hit a triple and had to run back to second afterwards. Like, it's just so goddamn funny to watch Keystone Cops out there. Um, and it, just the, the, the prom bit, that uh, I, I, there's a lot of unintentional comedy to that for the parents that is completely lost Absolutely. on the teens at the time. Yeah. Yeah. You want to ruin a t-ball game, open a jar of butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> the game is over. Yeah. Kids are running around. Their gloves are on the field. No one cares. No, they're desperate for a diversion. Absolutely. They could give a fuck about that yeah, game. Yeah, that's right. Frankly, I don't blame them. <laughs> so uh, the reason I brought the autocomplete thing, yeah, wife, net worth, you're very wealthy. Your ex-wife is smoking hot. And you guys went to prom together. And uh, passport. You have any idea? I do, yeah. So that's another bit that's on my album, Footprints on the Moon. It was about a trip to IHOP. And so it's... Mm-hmm. When I go on stage, and this just started happening about a year and a half ago, but people will just, right when they get on stage, they'll be like, I hop, because they want to hear the story. And I don't really remember the story because it's a couple albums ago, but uh, I know I know exactly how the story went in real life, but then you don't really know how the comedy like beats go in it anymore. Right. So one time I was in Philly, and this, they're screaming I hop at me, and I go, I, I really don't remember it, you guys. And some guy goes, I know it. And so I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. So he came up. 
I went down to his seat. I drank his beer while he told my IHOP story. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. I would love to do comedy like that. Oh, man. Just one person in each city does my act while I sit and watch it, but I get paid. Yeah, that's... Fantastic. Yeah, I don't really see the downside to Mm-mm. that. There isn't one. All right, well, I got to let you go. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for coming by. Thanks for having me. You are Chad Daniels. You're that Chad Daniels on Twitter, chaddaniels.com, and the special Dad Chaniels streaming now on Amazon, executive produced by Tom Segura. He's basically the guy who's responsible for all this. He, uh, he's my dad. <laughs> Thanks, bud. 